right, welcome back again, uh, David. Uh, last time we were here, uh, we talked about uh, Warrior National and uh, the work you do with SEAL Foundation, SEAL Legacy Foundation. And um, you're also CEO of, of Pure uh, Jerky Company, um, which uh, we'll put on our, uh, our website, um, which does a lot of work, raises a lot of money also for um, the SEAL Foundation and uh, through uh, Warrior National as well. And uh, today, and through that work, uh, you've been able to bring us uh, another uh, great guy, uh, Chad Metcalf. Um, Chad, you were you've been uh, you were active in in the Navy SEALs for twelve years. Yeah, a little over 12. a little over twelve years. I mean, including you know training and all that. So joined in 03, got out into fifteen. Into fifteen. Okay, so you separated in in fifteen. And so today, you know, really what we wanted to kind of talk about is, you know, at 2015, when you're leaving active duty and you're coming back into, um, you know, civilian world and, you know, the kind of the world that we are in all the time, you know, first you're out and you're in combat for all those years. And then now all of a sudden you're in the civilian world looking to transition. Um, you know, I wanted to know what, you know, how were you prepared uh, for that, and and then kind of in a little bit, maybe we'll talk about you know what you've done in the meanwhile. But as you were coming out uh, and separating from the the Navy, um, how are you prepared for the transition to civilian life? Oh, I mean, that's a good. Or question. were you? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I was pretty prepared to do you know what I transitioned into. Um, so, kind of, I back it up a little bit before I joined the Navy. I played golf a lot and I wanted to be on the PGA tour when I was a kid. Uh-huh. I wanted to play college golf, wanted to go do that. Um, but actually homeschooled at the time. And back then, like you couldn't play high school sports if you were homeschooled. Uh, so I played like, you know, Texas junior tour, some AJGA stuff, stuff like that. Um, and then my plan was to just go and walk on it. Like uh, it was Southwest Texas back then. Yeah. Um, or UT or, you know, wherever. Then nine 11 hit and, I decided to, you know, go join the military instead. It was actually probably like a couple weeks after 9-11, I went into the Navy recruiting office and was like, all right, I think I want to be a SEAL. I heard they're like, they do pretty cool stuff. And the recruiter was this guy who, uh, we'll just say he wasn't that fit. And uh, he's like, oh yeah, I've worked with SEALs. And I'm like, well, if this guy's worked with SEALs, like they can't be that good. So I walked in the Marine Corps office and looked at these guys and I'm like, all right, these guys, they could definitely beat me up. So... I'll sign up here. So I signed up to join the Marines, like went to MAPS, did the whole thing. Oh, wow. Ended up getting disqualified because I had a titanium plate in my arm from where I'd broke it. They said it wouldn't hold up for Marine Corps boot camp. And if I wanted to, I could wait two years and fill out a waiver. So I waited the two years, did more research about SEAL, SEAL Challenge, all that, and then went in the Navy recruiting office said, all right, I want to be a SEAL. I want to do the SEAL Challenge. Um, I'll pick this rate, and I'll go tomorrow. So... I didn't get to leave the next day, but, you know, it was like six, seven months later. Yeah. Um, so whenever I got out of the Navy, I wanted to go back and pursue golf because I always felt like if I had enough, like, time and money, like, I could make it happen. Um, so essentially, like, a year before I got out, we sold our house in Virginia Beach, like, saved all that money. I lived with friends. My wife went back, uh, came back here to Texas, stayed with her parents for that year. So, you know, we saved a ton of money. Uh, then we, uh, actually bought a house like 
you know, three, four months before I got out in New Braunfels, just so like I had like proof of income and all those kind of yeah. things you need when you buy a house. Um, and this is right after this is. Yeah, this is like uh, September, uh, around September of 2015. And I got okay. out in November. So I bought a house in New Braunfels. So we sold our house for uh, 350, something like that in, in Virginia Beach. And we bought a house for like 160 in New Braunfels. Wow. And we like, we, I mean, to like make this happen, like we pulled all the stops we cut our like spending back to like $3,000 a month. So it's like, you haven't really chased a dream till you're like, I'm willing to like live on $3,000 a <laughs> month. It's not a lot. Like we didn't have cable. We didn't have, we had like, well, we have internet on our phones. Like we don't need to pay for internet. Right. So we don't, we're not on that kind of budget constraint <laughs> now, but it lets you show like, you know, what you could do. Yeah. So Chad's got three boys, by the way. So 3,000 oh, a month. Oh yeah. No kidding. I got two boys. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of my buddies, uh, I stayed with him for a term, another team guy. And I was telling him like, yeah, we just had to like, you know, cut back stuff and uh, really live within our means to like make this happen. He's like, yeah, I know what you mean. I'm like, no, you don't. Like, dude, you're like in a 6,000 square foot house and you have three BMWs in your garage. Like, <laughs> you're not exactly sacrificing. Like, I mean, <laughs> a different level. So whenever I, you know, got out and went to go into, you know, all these, you know, there's a bunch of good programs out there to kind of, you know, help guys uh, do their VA claims and do job fairs and, you know, resume writing and, you know, different stuff like that. I really didn't fit in any mold, right? Because it's like, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to try to be on the PGA Tour. I'm going to play mini tours and go to Q school and do that. And they're like, well, we don't really know what to do with you. I'm like, that's fine because I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, that's a tough road. That oh, is a tough road. This uh, is the most stressful thing I've ever done it's, in my life. I have a friend whose who son does that and, and, um, uh, every day he's I, he literally is flying all over the world, yeah. playing the, in these tournaments. And if he doesn't make the cut, which you probably know this, you know everybody, you have to go through that the cut process. And then if you don't make it, then start over. Yeah, and I think like when I came out, I actually met Dave. Like uh, what was it like that September, October, right before I got out at uh, mm -hmm. Pinehurst for a Seal Legacy Golf Tournament. And like, I decided, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And I was like in the process of just like completely revamping my golf swing and all that, which it's like, okay, yeah, I'm terrible at golf now. Cause I'm like changing <laughs> 12 things at one time. Right. Um, so I mean, I was good when I was a kid and then, uh, you know, like I played, was still pretty good. And I got back and I had time to practice like the last year I was in. Um, but honestly, like I, pursued it for three years. And it really wasn't until the last six months, like looking back on it when I was actually good enough. Um, so, I mean, I had fortune. I played with a lot of guys like on tour. Um, like I got to play golf with Cameron Beckman quite a bit. Like we played uh -huh. probably like four days out of the week. We'd play out there like Tom Byron would be out there playing. So, I mean, I learned a ton from those guys and had some of the best coaches you can have. So, I mean, I freaking did everything I could to make it happen, but after running out of money for three times, yeah, the third time I ran out of money, it was like, okay, got to do something else. So that was that was uh, how long? How long was that? Three year period? Is that what you did that? Yeah, three years. Three years. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So like, I got out of the Navy in November, and I went to Q school for the PGA Tour Latin America in January. So it was like, freaking hold my beer, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, um, so so. Once you sort of decided that's not, and I'm assuming you decided, okay, maybe that's not the route I'm going to go. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, I mean, kind of as a family, family, we decided, I mean, if I was, uh, you know, if I was single and doing all that, probably be yeah. know, a different thing. But I mean, like we were so poor at one point it was like going, 
you know, whenever we had to go to the food bank for food, I was like, all right, we're done with this. Like, yeah. We're not doing this anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I guess, so you, do you find yourself now you're kind of in the, you're kind of in that place where you're, you're looking for your, are you in the process of, you know, your next venture and, um, and how did you, how did you start that? Cause you're, you know, what's the, what's the jump off point for you when it came to, okay, this is not going to, this isn't going to do it. We've got to, I've got to go to the next thing. What was that jump off point and what did you head to at that point? Yeah. So the reason I got out of the military was to, you know, spend more time with my family, right. be around them, um, all that stuff. I mean, I enjoyed being in the teams and like our first deployment, we were in uh, Fallujah, did a bunch of stuff there. Then I went to Afghanistan in my second one and then Africa and Europe and but then I went back to Afghanistan again. So kind of was there during like the peak of the war. So all the stuff I signed up to do, I did. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of got to the point where I was more in a leadership position and, you know, you know, nothing against like guys that were, you know, 10 years ahead of me in their career. But I just kind of looked where a lot of them were guys that I respected and kind of saw where their family lives were. And I was like, yeah. ah, I don't really like, I don't want to be there. Yeah. And regardless whether like Navy retirement isn't great. So like I can do 20 or 30 and get out and start over, or I can go do this and start over. So I'm not sure if I made the right decision, but I made a decision. So. I, it's, you know, I think it's a smart decision because, yeah. you know, really, you know, you've got your, your family's young. Yeah. Uh, and so you, you, you know, that time, you know, with your boys, I mean, yeah. you know, I mine's now 24 and 19 and I'm like, feel like, you know, that time goes really fast. And um, I think it's great that, I mean, you did what you, I mean, you did this incredible service for the country for 12 years. And now, you know, it's time for you to, you know, you're, you're now doing stuff for your family, you yeah. know, and, and your kids. You know, definitely like this time in their life, like I've been fortunate to like have the time and capacity yeah. to be able to like kind of focus on them. Like I've coached their baseball teams, yeah. flag football teams, like all that stuff. So definitely things I wouldn't have There's been nothing able to better. do. Nothing right? better than that time on the field with them and just, just that time with yeah. them. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, but when we decided, okay, we need to like do something that makes money now. I like went in like, I, I filled out at least a hundred applications, like minimum. Where, where did you do that? Just kind of on your own? Yeah, yeah, just like on my own. Um, at that point, it was like. I mean, did you did you? How did you search out? You know who was look who was looking? I mean, I just got on like LinkedIn, Indeed, yeah. like every job posting, and I was like, "Can I do anything? Like, yeah, I just need to like I'll start at the bottom. Like, just give me a chance, and like I'll figure it out." Yeah. And so I went in there, got you know, essentially, long story short, like a hundred notes. Right. So mm -hmm. it's like, dang, I, and I got, you know, maybe five interviews and went in there and it was like, okay, nothing's happening. And then, uh, talking to a couple, couple of my buddies and they're like, dude, have you heard of this acting school of business? I was like, mm, no, never heard of it. It's like, you got to go to it. It's like, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. Yeah. Well, we were talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Jeff Sandifer started it. Um, I mean, he much made a bunch of money in like oil and gas and then he worked at the, uh, McCombs Business School, and he okay. kind of ran their entrepreneurial program. And so his idea was, hey, I want to get actual entrepreneurs in to teach uh, this MBA program and not tenured professors. Like, I want people who've actually done it to teach it. Hmm. And UT was like, nah, we, you know, tenured professors, like, that's what we do. So he's like, well, screw yeah. you, I'll just make my own. Right? So that's what he did. So he made his own program, and like, you know, they took a lot of like the 
uh, Harvard, Harvard Business School stuff, like a lot of the case studies and, you know, basically made a freaking really badass program. It's a 10-month program. Uh, and it's, I mean, you're going to put in 100 to 120 hours of work a week. Oh, wow. Like minimum. Yeah. Like you're doing case study and there's so they basically took everything and they just they just crunched yeah. it into a really tight timeline. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, they crunched it in there and it's all Socratic method. So oh, nobody's gonna answer any of your questions except with another question. <laughs> right. So it can be super frustrating until you're like, okay, now that's I just gotta figure it out. Yeah. Um, so uh, a couple my buddies told me about that, and then one of my buddies had just like started it. And they're like, well, actually, a course just started, so you might have to wait till next year. I'm like, well, I can't work. I can't wait that long. And then I'd also like applied to like San Antonio PD at the time because we were living oh, in New yeah. Braunfels. So they're like, okay, well, we could get you in a. Uh, all right, let me see if we can get you in the next class. So I was like, whichever one comes up first, like I'm going to do because it's time to do something. Yeah. Um. So that was like starting January. Got on the phone with the people at Acton. I said, look, I know you already started, but like, I'll catch up. I promise you I will. And they're like, okay, we'll let you in. Really? So it was like, they're already wow. two weeks in, jumped in, uh, and ended up like valedictorian of the class. Oh, right. man. So like, I'd never That's even amazing. like really used Excel before. Right. So, I mean, you're building out financial models. Like you yeah. kind of didn't know how to use Excel, especially whenever no one's going to answer any questions. <laughs> so, I mean, I probably did 300 hours of like YouTube courses on Excel. Like, okay, how the heck do I make this do this? Now I can do it in my sleep. Yeah. But, um, so I went through that program. Um, and then kind of at the end, they have you do like a, they call it like a next great adventure, like pitch, right. And they'll bring in a ton of just business leaders from the community. And you kind of give a pitch of like, Hey, here's kind of where I was before I went to acting. Here's what I've learned and here's what I want to do. And then, you know, kind of whenever you're doing like your opportunity analysis, um, for whatever industry you want to go in, they recommend first, like you do, a hundred breakfast, lunches, and dinners, right? So that's like, go set up a hundred meetings with different people and like learn about the industry, like pick their brains, take them, buy them coffee, like whatever you got to do, like do that. So by the time you do that, like you're going to have a pretty good idea of like, is this industry really for me? Instead yeah. of just jumping in like, oh, I don't know. And then two later, years later, you're like, oh, this was a terrible idea, right? right. So um, I jumped in, I did, I think, I did 45 meetings in like the first 12 days after business school, right? And had like a bunch of, I went from like no job opportunities to, man, I've got like 25 different things to choose from, right? So building out models. And then uh, one of the guys who, uh, a friend of mine, he was actually one of my teachers of business school, actually kind of ran into this other opportunity and decided to go with that. And he was kind of, uh, he funded it and was kind of CEO. And then we kind of built this thing up. How'd you get through acting? What do they, just cause I don't know much about it. I assume it's a private program, right? In Austin or. Um, well, so then it was accredited. So you actually got an MBA when I went through. So, okay. uh, right now you, they've changed it. So you don't get an MBA. So, I mean, there's this kind of, uh, I mean, depending on how you look at it, like, I mean, it's a piece of paper. Like if you, it's really the knowledge that's valuable. That's what you do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So whenever you have an accreditation, like MBA or whatever, like through the state, or whoever, whatever accrediting body does it, there's certain things that you have to hit, which may or may not be important to what you're trying to teach. Um, so it kind of like handcuffs you to certain things you have to do and, you know, forces like you've got costs to maintain that accreditation. So I think Jeff decided, I mean, and I 
don't know all the details of this, but essentially he went away from the accreditation and went with, hey, we're going to call it a NGA. So it's your next great adventure and basically like open it up to more people, lower the cost of it. But you're going to still get kind of the skill set. You know, that's a, a really important point, because I think what happens with, with folks when you get your, you know, you, you get your degree, you get your undergrad degree or you decide you want to get your MBA or you want to get some kind of, you know, advanced degree, um, you know, those really only mean anything if you're trying to apply to get a certain type of job. Yeah. But if you're more, an, you know, an entrepreneur type person, you like building businesses and you like yeah. doing, you really just need the knowledge. Yeah. I didn't want to, I didn't want to work at Goldman Sachs. No. So. I mean, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so, that, and that's why I was just, I was just going to ask that question because it's, you know, you mentioned it kind of early on, but you go from the kind of work that you were doing in the teams and you come back to, you know, sort of, you know, a regular job market, which is so different than, you know, what you were doing and even the people around it, you know, the kind of commitment people have to the, you know, that particular business or whatever, they're just not, it's not the same. You also don't have the same interaction between the people you work with. You just, you don't have that kind of loyalty. You don't have all those kind of things that you had when you were in the team. So I I would think that it would be really difficult to, um, and it may not be for everybody, but I think it'd be really difficult to take like a, you know, some corporate gig, you know, and be stuck in a, an office doing, I mean, yeah, you're making had, decent money. Yeah, I kind of had might, that on the, the second startup I jumped on, but you know, you'd ask me how I paid for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. So, um, I did use the GI bill to pay for it. Okay. Um, uh, because they were still accredited with the MBA program. I could use my GI bill. Okay. Um, but that took like several months to kick in. So I still had to like pay like, I don't know, $4,000 deposit or something, Yeah, which I didn't have $4,000 at the time. Yeah. So I actually borrowed $4,000 like from my brother. Yeah. Or maybe it was 2000 whatever it okay. was. Like I borrowed it from my brother and then got my GI bill payment and then I paid him back. Yeah. So it was like 2000 4000 something like that. Yeah. So what does the GI bill cover now? Do you recall? Um, so, I mean, there's, I'm not a GI bill expert, but I mean, there's yeah, different yeah. ones, but I switched mine to like post 9-11 GI okay. bill. Um, essentially it covered, you know, it'll cover up to, I think it covered a hundred percent of tuition and it gave me like BAH. Yeah. Right? So it gave me whatever you know, a thousand, thirteen hundred dollars a month, something like that. Yeah. Oh, you get the oh that's yeah. good. Yeah. And then I actually uh I actually ended up making money going to Acton. So between the GI Bill and then I won the uh whatever what they nominate somebody to go uh for the Texas Business Hall of Fame like scholarship. Yeah. So I actually went and interviewed and won that deal as well. That come, does that come with some money? Yeah, too? it was like fifteen thousand dollars. Oh, okay. yeah. that was like a nice little like okay, yeah, that's, yeah, right, okay, all right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> these are these are kind of those little pockets of info, right? That we're, we're looking to expand on. Like when guys get out, you know, as you know, we we stood up a couple of scholarships through Warrior National, one at University of Pennsylvania, one at University of Texas Macomb School. Yeah, the, the idea being, hey. And I just learned, I didn't even know about the Hazelwood Act until recently, that, yeah. that they cover 150 hours of undergrad. Yeah, or I didn't know about work. that either until you told me about it and yeah. I, I read about it. It was amazing. 150 yeah. hours. Yeah, it's really Or cool. 120, 120 or 150? It's 150. 150 hours. Because I, I can give that that to my kids. Now, the GI Bill, I can't give to my kids because I didn't That's right. transfer it. Like, you have to transfer it and then have like two years left on your contract. Like, it's, I don't know. So, anyway, that didn't work out. So, and I they, still have a couple years left of that I could use. 
But your kids can use the the, the Hazelwood app? Yeah. So, oh, that's awesome. So what we've looked at, right, it's funny. So one thing we always thought was like Chad, right, minus the golf kind of, you know, he Chad's, a, I think, in a lot of special operations guys and just I think the military ethos in general is a just kind of get shit done and, and figure it out. And, and they have really the, the skill set to go find it. However, I feel like a little, if there was a little more of a handholding process or, Hey, here's all the things out there. I mean, look, I've, my two kids in college, you know, you can, you can know or not know, what's out there. I mean, my daughter went abroad and there's a hundred scholarships for abroad if you apply to them, you know? So, so I feel like there's pools of money available for postgraduate work or undergrad or anything for guys coming out. My question is always, is there the right, um, you know, is there, is there the right really place to get all that information? Number one. And number two, are the people that are really giving that information out and, being quote unquote, um, you know, almost counselors, mentors, are they really walking you through it the right way and saying, Hey, this is available. This probably matches with what you're looking to do. Or is it really more of like you did just go figure it out and grab it. I mean, I know I've heard, I've heard that the, um, I think it's like the tap program, right? The transition yeah, there's a transition assistance, assistance program. program. I mean, it's I've heard it, it's, it's like a like mandatory ten-page manual, and it's nothing. But right? it's, I mean, I'd say for like soft guys, it's pretty much a waste of time. Okay, going to that. I mean, that's my own opinion. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you want to go in and, I mean, if if you fit in their very small window of like, hey, here's what you want to do. Like, oh, you want to go to this jobs fair and learn how to be an electrician or something like that. Like, there's programs paid for that, but it's which, I mean, it's easier to do because that's like, okay, yeah. you want to do this? We yeah. can plug you in yeah. this and get you a job with them. If you're like, you kind of want to venture outside of that and create your own thing and do that, like, okay, where do you get started? Yeah. Right? It's... Um, well, that's what we're talking about is is that if... And and, and uh, part of it is, too, is so that you don't spend, uh, you know, like, again, minus your, your, your golfing excursion for those three years, but... You know, you had you sort of had that goal in mind, but if you didn't, uh, how would, how long would it have taken you to find you know where you wanted to go in that? And you know, can can we shorten it? Is there a way to shorten it? Um, and and it, it, kind of to your point, David, is is that information somewhere in a form that is easy to you know kind of maneuver around? And are there people there that can can drive you in the right direction so that you don't spend a lot of time? I mean, it's hard. When you don't have any money and you don't really know what you exactly what you want to do, it's real difficult to get motivated, not motivated, but really just have the time and be able to, and you have a family and you're trying to, you know, make money, you know, how are you going to find what you need to do to get to that next step? And in case there a way to make that shorten it up. And that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, I think a lot of it comes back on the individual. Like yeah. I think part of my initial problem was like, I didn't know what I wanted to do, right? So if I don't know exactly what I want to do, it's hard for somebody to like help me do that, yeah. right? So um, if it's like, okay, I want to do something entrepreneurial, like where do I even start, yeah. right? Um, 
you know, definitely like acting would be a good place to start, right? Because yeah. you can go in yeah. and like learn how to analyze an opportunity, like learn how to speak the language, like what's important in these things, right? I think, and even I had this before, like I thought as an entrepreneur, like your job is to like invent something, right? Okay, what can I invent to do it? No, it's like, just find a problem and solve that. Solve the problem. That's, that's it. Right. Like find a customer group that's like, hey, we need this solved. And you're like, I mean, can I solve that better, faster, or cheaper than somebody else? Yeah. Right. And if you can do that, like you've got a chance. But you know, I mean, so, so that's a great point. So that I think you, so there's two kind of routes here. I mean, I, I imagine I, I wouldn't, I don't know what the data shows, but you know, some portion of guys that are coming out go sort of the job corporate route. Maybe some of them go vocational route, you know, whatever. And then you've got another group because of your training and really kind of the way you think, the way you, you know, all those things, you know, I feel like you're probably going to have more people that are more entrepreneurial and don't like the sort of boundaries of what corporate America brings. I, I worked yeah. in corporate America for 30 years. And I mean, there's a lot of, there's walls around you, right? So mm-hmm. you don't really have the ability to think, you know, outside of those walls. And so I, I think that's maybe, um, it'd be great if maybe even acting might be a great opportunity for them to have a program where <clears throat> if you want to kind of, kind of understand what entrepreneurship is all about, yeah, maybe just come, you don't have to take the course, but maybe and you don't have to get, well, I think they're even making it uh, more accessible now. I know the, Oh yeah. During COVID, I think it kind of like they shut down the Austin school cause it was based out of Austin and they've got like a Madrid and then uh, Guatemala. I believe. Um, but I think they're, I think they're working on rolling out an online program for it as well. So I mean, that would, that would be really great for guys. I mean, I'd say if I had to like look back, like if a guy wants to go the entrepreneurial route, like maybe even just taking a sales job for a while first might be like a really good like place to start where you can, and people think like, well, I'm not good at sales, but I'd say like team guys would be pretty good at sales because, Mm -hmm. uh, like a lot of times you got to play different roles. Like I got to go be a shooter or I got to go walk, work in an embassy and deal with department of state. And I've got to learn how to like conduct myself and speak their language and do all that. So it's just kind of getting like, that would definitely be a, a help to that's interesting. in their entrepreneurial stuff. Yeah. And plus you, you already know how to, you know, you've, you've already got the, the skills of reading people and, and reading the situation and all that. I mean, I think, yeah, sales is, is not a bad sales is pretty broad, but yeah, definitely broad. Anytime, anytime you're, you're, you're dealing with, you know, people which you definitely would learn that in acting as well they actually do it like door-to-door sales challenge you have to do they do it really? twice the second one if you don't sell at least one you get kicked out of the program oh my god i've done door-to-door sales and it, it sucks oh it's so bad the first one <laughs> they gave us uh like during the first half they sent us these uh god. like cold brew coffee makers right then we had to go door-to-door and sell them like so i knocked on I don't know, a couple hundred doors and got a couple hundred doors shut in my face. It was yeah. like, unless you were blonde and uh, weren't a dude, like you <laughs> exactly aren't selling it, right? Dude. <laughs> so, you're but just you, in the wrong neighborhood. You know, but what, but, but what you're, no, it's like, it doesn't went well in Westlake. <laughs> no, that's where we went. I went, oh, you like, did. oh yeah, I went to like where people had money, like Perrytown, Westlake. Like, I wasn't going to New Braunfels. Uh, like, nobody's wait. paying. $50 for a cold no. brew coffee maker. But I mean, there you go in and you're like, oh, hey, let me tell you about this cold brew coffee maker. It'll in eight hours, it'll make you blah, 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 right? All the features and benefits. Yeah. And nobody cared. Nobody cares. Yeah. Then they're like, about, we're almost done with the program. Like, all right, we got another sales challenge. You're like, oh, great. But <laughs> you got to sell this children's dictionary for like $50, right? And you, I looked on Amazon, you could buy a used one for $2. Yeah. 
So, but they're like this time, same rules. You can't tell them you're from business school. You can't tell them it's like for charity. This is your job to make money, right? If they ask, that's what you have to say. And you can't sell to anybody, you know, like, okay, but we're going to train you this time. So they bring in and put us through this Sandler sales system, right? And because we had gone through this whole process before of just complete failure, yeah, you like understand why the system would work, right? So the first thing is you have to some, have some kind of like pattern interrupt on there, right? They come in and like, okay, what are the objections you're going to hit? And you're like, when you knock on somebody's door, you've done this before. It's oh. what is it? Oh, it's not a good time and I'm busy, right? Yeah. So right, I'm like, oh, I got this. Right when they open the door, hey. I know you're busy and it's probably not a good time, but if you give me 30 seconds <laughs> right. and you don't, you're not interested, I'll just go away. And they're like, okay, what do you got? Yeah. Right. So then it's that. Yeah, and then at least hit, you're getting an opportunity. And then it's like hit yeah. their pain points. Don't sell them on the, hit the pain points and let them talk. Right. So then it's, I sold that one on my 11th door. You know, it is, it's funny you say that, you know, so as a, you know, we all do this all the time and, and you finally learn after getting rejected and failure over and over and over again, you finally realize, you know, it's not personal. Like yeah. these people don't, they don't dislike you. And they also, they, you know, you're just trying to get to the next step with them. And then it's amazing how you, when you do make a, you know, you do make a move and you're talking and all of a sudden you can see that you've made some progress. It's an incredible feeling, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. you actually, you actually convinced them of something, you know? So, um, but, yeah, that's pretty cool. But door yeah, to door is a little tough now, right? Oh, don't, uh, you don't, what, you like, don't, that would be the, it's the worst. It's, be worse it's inefficient. Really. Yeah. Um, that was really just a lesson, I guess. For, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, we had to do that. You had to go to places and negotiate, like you had to go to Starbucks and try to negotiate them down on a price of, on a <laughs> cup of coffee. I actually did this with my kids. Like I took them to the outlet mall and I gave them like 20 bucks each. And I'm like, all right, you can buy whatever you want, but you can't pay full price. It doesn't count if it's on sale. Like you have to negotiate for it. And they're like, we're going store to store and they're getting, no, no. They're like in tears. Like you're the worst dad ever. <laughs> then they go in this beef jerky store and they like ham and egged it. And they got like 60% off and they're like, oh, that was awesome. We should do that every time. Oh, that's awesome. That's um, fun. The acting thing, like it honestly, it paid for itself when I was two months into the program. Yeah. Right. Cause we were still like pretty poor. And my wife had just got her real estate license. Like she had helped her mom with her business, which was like a flower shop. So she was like doing floral design, wedding coordinating. I mean, she's definitely like a people person. Yeah. Like if I was to sell houses, I was like, do you want the house or not? Like we got stuff to do. She's like very, I mean, she's had people that are her clients for like two and a half years showing them houses and going through and follow yeah. up. Like, like that takes some serious follow up. But anyway, she um, is like, okay, should I do buy Zillow leads. I'm like, hmm, I don't know how much do they cost? Like, well, that's a lot of money. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, how many leads do you get? So I just, Oh yeah, I just learned this in business school. <laughs> Let's make a model. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, how much does it cost? All right. How many leads do you get? What do you think you'll close off of that? She's like, Oh, probably that. I'm like, well, if you do that, we'll kill it. So we spent every, like all the money we had. He bought leads. Betted on black <laughs> and wow. she killed it. She did. Oh, she just smoked it. God, Best man. investment we've ever made. Wow, that's amazing. So I've always found I've I've I've, I've I'm probably just not. Yeah, there's just there's always there's always these lead generators and and they're I get them all the time. I never I have net yet to do it, but but I always kind of like when we were talking about earlier about LinkedIn and Indeed. Mm -hmm. I found I found that you know they're, they're like lead generators as well. Like you're you're you know you're looking for a job. And and so indeed actually does a pretty decent job, even though 
I'm like you. I've always got no's on everything I've ever put into LinkedIn, but at least I got some feedback. I think indeed, I just think it's a black hole. I don't even know if there's anybody at the other end of the... Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. Because you can put in hundreds and then you'll get nothing. Yeah. Zero. It's it's interesting, I, you know, not to get on like how many bots are on Twitter, like Elon was saying, but, uh, you know, we did an Indeed... Um, we put out an ad to hire some people on Indeed. And I, f- I, f- I can't figure out if it's just what's going on in the world today with quiet quitting and ghosting, but we would get 10 calls and you'd set up an appointment and you'd get 10 no-shows sometimes out of a group of 10. So I was like, is there like someone in Indeed that's just calling setting up the appointment? It's just a, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, 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 I don't know what it like is. Who like who sets up an interview and just no-shows it? Like what, what is, what is the point of that? I, I could never understand it. It's, Either you want a job or you don't, or is this thing just a black hole, like you said, and there's they're setting up something and I'm it's paying for however many, you know, yeah. uh, it was it was interesting. We did that once. It was uh I've heard yeah. the same thing from a lot of people on that. Now LinkedIn I have actually had some luck. I mean, they I think you get more it's a different, it's more professional and it's more, you know, kind of individual and they're I think they manage that site a lot better yeah. than, than a lot of these other sites. Um in, so, out of the out of your your group of buddies and stuff and folks and guys you know that have that have separated, you know, have they um, have you found them to have the same kind of path as you, or have some been more? Has there been a more successful path that you found, or is there anything that anybody's done that seemed to sort of help more than others? Well, I mean, I guess it depends on how you define success. Yeah, right. So. I mean, I know several, you know, a bunch of guys who've gotten out and then just gone into like corporate America and you talk to them and like, oh, I hate it. I hate their life. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I've always kind of had the idea of, you know, I don't want to have to go on vacation to like try to escape my life. And then your vacation, like you have two days you enjoy because your first or your first couple of days, you're like, oh, this is awesome. And then your last half, you're like, oh, man, I got to go back to my regular life. Like this sucks. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I mean, it's could definitely get a job, like probably work way less and make yeah. more money, but just hate it and have no time. Yeah, you may right? not, you you probably won't be satisfied. I mean, not for not for your background, right? Yeah. I mean, that's 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 the whole thing. Is is uh, a lot of the stuff I did do. I did do a little bit of research, yeah. and you know what, what I found was you guys are so highly skilled and have had the kind of experiences nobody else has had that when you come back and, you know, a job job, it just doesn't, doesn't well, you, work. You get it, bored. It, you get bored. I mean, yeah. you're, you're looking for, you know, that's just not how you're built. You yeah. know, that's just, you guys are not built that way. Um, and that's definitely true. Like a lot of it, uh, you know, guys coming out and they're like, well, what am I going to, like, I've literally been in the military since I was a kid. Yeah. Right. So it's like, okay, what, like, you don't even know what you're good at. Right. Like, you're good at that, but you don't realize like how it how it applies to a business and where you can be mm-hmm. used, right? And I was like, I don't know what do you like. I can do anything. Like, just show me what you mean to do, and I'll do it. Yeah. Uh, but like, I'd say where like soft guys would really excel is like startups, right? Going in like, hey, here's a problem that needs to be solved. Like, we don't need it perfect. We need the like eighty percent solution, like good enough. Like, figure it out, systems and processes. Then we'll hire the guy to do that job. Yeah. And then you figure out the next thing, right? So that's where like soft guys would do well. 
Yeah. Right. Cause once it's like, for me, if I go in to like solve a problem, once it like, that's where all the fun is. Like nobody knows what to do. You go and you figure it out. After I've got it figured out, it's like, okay, now I'm bored. Like, yeah. Okay. What are we solving now? Right. Like, right. uh, we were that first startup I was in, we were in the hemp industry, which is kind of weird how I even stumbled upon that. Yeah. Um, is kind of a friend had a buddy with a metal fab shop here in Austin and he, you know, wanted some help like doing a turnaround on it. So I went in there, kind of looked at that and just kind of in my head, like running numbers. Like, I mean, it looks like a lot of like working capital, like kind of a, a nightmare to manage this thing. But they had this thing like sitting in the corner and it looked like this like Willy Wonka machine. I'm like, what the heck is that thing? He goes, oh, it's a super critical CO2 CBD extractor. Like, what does that mean? He goes, oh, you put hemp in here and you get CBD oil out. out. And I'm like, is that like marijuana or something? Is this even legal? He's like, oh, yeah, they just legalize hemp. Like the federal, the the farm just bill, recently, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was like twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. They federally legalized it, legalized it in Texas, like a month before that. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I'm like, well, what do you do with these? It's like, well, this one's like the prototype, and we sell it to farmers. I'm like, hmm, how much you sell them for? He tells me, I'm like, huh, how long does it take you to make them? I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So I start like. Just out of curiosity, I just start researching the industry and like building up models. And I well, asked him like, okay, well, what do the farmers do with it when they get it? Oh, they do that. How much do you sell that oil for? So I start building up models and then end up going on vacation with another buddy of mine who's a former team guy who'd just gone through like the Yale MBA program. Oh, wow. And he's in this like marijuana startup at the time in Florida. Uh So I'm like, hey, what do you know about these extractors? He's like, oh, dude, we're trying to like buy some of those. Like if you got those, we'll probably just buy the company. I'm like, hmm. I'm like, (laughs) That's interesting. Why do they want this so bad? So I'm like thinking like, oh, maybe I'll just like broker a deal. So I start building up models. I'm like, man, if we could buy hemp and extract it and sell the oil, like then like it was like ludicrous. Like the models that I built were like 50X anything I'd ever even seen in business school. I'm like, this is ridiculous. So I showed it to my buddy who's one of the teachers there and he's and he was helping me like filter through all those other opportunities I'm yeah like, you're trying to figure out did i did i miss a number like, this here? can't be right yeah. and I, he's like man i can't break your model this is crazy so we just he's like great he's like i'll fund it let's do it i'm like okay let's go so we hit go and like we start set up this extractor we're running it i like found a bunch of like phd chemists i'm like on the phone with like trying to set up an organic chemistry lab so i built like this whole thing out like so we're running trying to sell extractors we're extracting oil like we get hemp shipped from all over the like i found guys in colorado and oregon and i'm sure you get it's all u.s hemp yeah yeah so i'm like ordering hemp like 300 pounds of hemp so it's like a bunch of like cardboard boxes (laughs) of hemp and we're like i'm tracking the shipment right and it like goes from like, oh, it should be delivered tomorrow to seized by police. <laughs> and we're like, oh, great. Are we all about to like get arrested? Like what's going on? So the attorney like calls him. He's like, hey, yeah, you've got to have our industrial hemp. He's like, oh, we got your marijuana. We're like, what the heck is going on? So he's like, well, okay, well, we're not going to mess with it. Like that's fine. But he said, be aware my like clients are going to be doing this every week. And if you keep messing with it, we're going to come after you personally. And like, so you or something along those lines. He's like, oh, you can come pick up your stuff at five. <laughs> <laughs> so we got it back. We're running that down, trying to sell that. It's like really hard to, because we're not licensed. There's no licensing in Texas for it. This is, a, this is right after they passed the hemp bill oh, here in Texas. It's so like a month after. Yeah. So there's so nothing. Nobody's. I'm, I'm pretty sure we were like the first people in Texas been, extracting. Yeah. yeah. Um, at least 
like once it was made legal. I mean, I don't know what the people did before that, but yeah. uh, so we had that. Then this other, the guy who made it, this machine, he had this other thing. He's like, oh, I got this thing called a bucker. I'm like, what the heck is a bucker? He's like, oh, they it like strips the buds and uh, like leaves off of it and separates it for like biomass. And you're like, okay, ha- have you sold any? He's like, no. I'm like, well, how are you trying to sell them? He's like, oh, well, it's, you know, a 30 horsepower engine, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, Okay, no wonder you're not selling any. I'm like, do you have any hemp? He's like, oh, we got some in the back. I'm like, okay, time me. So I like just start hand doing it, and then I do it in the machine, and I just ran out like a pro forma of the machine versus hand doing it at 15 bucks an hour. I'm like, freaking FOIA to every state that had a hemp program for all their email addresses, and just sent out a bunch of emails, sold like a million dollars in a week. Oh, my God. Like it was like their pain point was so strong. Like you had people just hand doing this, like with a hundred acres. So it like paid for itself. And at the time with the prices, it paid for itself in like 30, 40 acres on your first harvest. So, so you're, you were just selling the, doing the harvest yourself. I mean, nope. doing the, the budding or whatever you call it. We were it. selling the machine that it was essentially like two street sweeper brushes. Yeah. And you'd stick it in there and it freaking pull so, everything so you're up. producing the machine stand. and just selling them. Just machine. selling the machine. Oh, okay. And that one's super easy to use. Could make them quick. Um, we ended up having to like refund like $3 million worth of orders because we couldn't get diesel motors fast enough. Ugh. So, and then kind of COVID yeah. hit, kind of wiped us out. And then there was some like legislation. So, I mean, the big thing like with that industry is there's a holdup between the FDA and the farm bill, right? So they're basically saying two separate things. So technically, according to the farm bill, all CBD products or hemp derivative products are legal. According to the FDA, they're all illegal. Yeah. So what that does is like nobody's getting prosecuted for it that I know of. No, but it's it does it it has makes it real difficult to go out and find money to help. Yeah, do we start anything up and and keeps all the big players out of the game. So like InBev, Anheuser Busch, like they all have products in Canada in the CBD space, but they're not in the U.S. So our customers, the farmers. So if the big players aren't in the game, then they don't have a demand for their product. And are you still are you still doing? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to jump on you. Um, Are you still producing those, or Uh, or did you decide that that was? I mean, it's kind of just it kind of on its own. Just it's kind of hit pause on it. Like I think. We probably have 10 machines in stock. Yeah. Uh, I think we ran a little bit of advertising just to see if anybody, but I think they're selling it like a dollar a pound and like doesn't make economic sense to grow it, much less buy equipment for it right now. Yeah. But if that bill goes through, which there was a bill uh, up at the house before COVID hit, but it went on the back burner. So if that bill gets pushed through, then there could be a market again for it. So yeah. I don't know. I'm not going to hold my breath on it. But Yeah. Well, we, 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 we've been working. The last time we were here, we had, we had Judson here. Um, talking about the medical cannabis, uh, yeah. in, in, we that's we work in in that area, and uh, yeah, it's it's the same problem. You know, you've got you know you've got a Schedule One, federal Schedule One, yeah. you know, drug, <laughs> and then you know, but the states make it legal. It just causes a lot of problems. Yeah, and I think it kind of goes back to like old like gold miner days, right? Like who made the money during the gold rush? People selling pickaxes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Sell the yeah, sell the so, stuff people need to make the so stuff. So we were trying to sell yeah. pickaxes. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> Well I tell you, man, this is this has been, you know, I, I hope we can do this again. I, I you know, I want to dig a little bit more and kind of, you know, as we do a little bit more research on, you know, how we could you know, how we could get information to, you know, guys that are coming out. I mean, you know, I mean, just having access to you. Yeah, I mean there's like I mean, be, there's so many just I mean, different, I mean, just like look at seal foundations. I mean, how many different seal foundations are there? Like 10 maybe, right? So they all kind of have a different thing that they're doing. And then 
Then there's a bunch of general foundations. So it's like, there's so many people that want to help out there, but like all the, the stuff is just so fragmented yeah. that it's hard to figure, okay, what, what applies. And you know, whenever you're in that thing, like, okay, I got to do all this for school. And then there's X amount of scholarships. And then I've got to do this essay for this one and this one for this one. It's like, okay, where, like, what do I really need to do? Yeah. It'd be nice if you had like a, um, a little cheat sheet or something. Yeah. A little <laughs> cheat sheet and, you know, kind of an incubator, you yeah. know, where people could come and, and, and they could experience maybe all these different things. And, uh, and then at, at because I, I feel like a lot of a lot of guys probably come out and they don't know exactly. I mean, like you said, I, you made a really good point a minute ago is that when you go in, you're still a kid. Yeah. You come out, you know, you're you know, you, you went in before you knew what you really wanted to do, and then you've been doing what you, exactly what you want to do for those period of time, whatever that's 10, 20 years or whatever, and then you come out and it's like, oh wow, I, I didn't spend any time thinking about you know the next phase of my life. So, you know. I think kind of a, we talked about it a little bit, you know, kind of an incubator campus type thing where, yeah. where guys could come in and you'd have all this access to all these folks, um, might be something that, you know, needs to be developed over time, but yeah. I appreciate, man, you, you spending this much time with us today and thanks David again, yeah, yeah. this has been fun and we'll, um, you know, we'll have more of these this summer. We're going to probably do um, the same thing, kind of just dig back into a lot of these issues, you know, since we sort of scratching the surface, you know, it's just nice to hear, yeah, you know, sure. your personal, you know, story. And then um, from that, we, you know, we want to bring back some solutions, you know, later on and see if that works. Yeah. And I think I'll have, uh, so just kind of working with my own kids and stuff, you know, playing golf, going through the SEAL teams, like a lot of lessons learned on like mentally how you, you know, kind of get, you know, have mental toughness, how you build skill and all that. So just like have seen it work with my kids and, you know, looking back like, okay, here's what I could have done better. Uh, so I'm working on yeah. a book on that right now. Oh, are you? It should be coming out this summer. Well, let us know yeah. as soon as you got it out. I mean, yeah. you know, we, we want to, we definitely have you back and have you talk about it. Yeah, you know? for sure. For sure. Well, guys, I appreciate it and uh, look forward to having you back again soon. Sounds good, Frank. Sounds good. Thanks. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of the State House podcast. Today's show is made possible through a generous donation from my friends at Air Wellness. Air Wellness is one of the most innovative and fastest growing vertically integrated U.S. multi-state cannabis operators. The company's mission is to drive positive impact for their patients, their customers, their employees, and the communities they serve. For more information, please visit airwellness.com. That's A-Y-R Wellness. Com. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. In addition, consider subscribing on Apple and Spotify, where you can leave us a five-star review. If you're not already following us on social media, you can find those links below in the show notes. As always, thank you for your continued support, and we'll see you next time.